For a small town, Carlisle has a rich and meaningful history. Located in Pennsylvania's Cumberland County, about 20 minutes from the state's capital, Carlisle has a population of 20,000 residents. The region was established in 1751 and was named after its sister town in England. It is anchored by two historic schools, Penn State Dickinson Law and Dickinson College. Visiting Carlisle, you'll find a mix of natural, untouched wilderness, begging to be explored, and a downtown area that is at once vibrant and busy, yet somehow remains traditional and quaint in its design. 46 miles of the Appalachian Trail runs through this town, which gives hikers and outdoor enthusiasts ample chances to tour the preserved beauty of Pennsylvania. The town is also known for its connection to the early historical advances of the United States. It played a crucial role during the French and Indian War, as the land was part of newly created trade routes. During the Revolutionary War, Carlisle Barracks, the second oldest American army post, served as a munitions headquarters. The barracks was later transformed into the U.S. Army War College and prepares officers and civilians for senior-level leadership roles. Carlisle is the resting place of Revolutionary War hero Molly Ludwig Hayes McCauley, better known as Molly Pitcher. It also became a meeting place for President George Washington and his 14,000 troops as they suppressed a civilian uprising against a federally imposed whiskey tax. The Whiskey Rebellion is considered one of the first major tests of the newly established federal government, as Washington's measures were successful. Leading up to the Civil War, it was a stop on the Underground Railroad, and during the war was defended by freed African-American soldiers against an incoming Confederate attack. Recently, Carlisle was named as one of the 50 safest towns in North America by home security company SafeWise, and it was also one of the 10 communities to receive an All-American City Award from the National Civic League in 2021. The flow of Army War College families and Dickinson students into the area continually shape what the town is and how it will evolve. And this weekend, Carlisle's Expo Center was home to a toy show called Toys for the Ages Expo. Created by longtime collector and vintage toy lover Andy Cook, the one-day show offered a treasure trove of toys spanning the past 50 years. And if you're a Star Wars fan and collector, this show is definitely worth the drive from wherever you may live. This is a look at a gem of a toy show tucked away in one of the nicest towns in America. This is a recap of a wonderful collector's weekend, from Friday's setup to the closing of the doors on Saturday afternoon, and all of the wonderful moments, meals, pickups, and conversations in between. This is the first episode in a new series titled Amazing Finds, in which our fellow friends and collectors share the stories behind some of their most memorable toy acquisitions. This is one of the most relaxing and joyful toy trips I've ever experienced. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production.
From Coruscant to Tatooine, and every planet in between, Star Wars, prototypes and production, with your host, David Quinn. It's a trap! Yes, If you want to know if Andy Cook is the right person to host a toy show, just ask to see his collection. In addition to a large plastic statue of the 1980s Kool-Aid Man, Andy's shelves are filled with toy lines from his childhood. Each line has its own section among the displays. One of Andy's favorite lines of all time, LJN's Thundercats, line the back wall of his room. The massive cat's lair perches on a shelf almost by itself, with a few figures in a battle formation in front of it. Rows of Thundercats figures and ones from the Masters of the Universe adorn the adjacent shelves, stacked shoulder to shoulder. The sheer amount of figures, vehicles, and playsets that fill the room is almost overwhelming. But to a toy collector, this is what heaven looks like. On a sidewall, RoboCop carded figures stand next to the ones from the short-lived competition TV show American Gladiators, which hang on pegs like they once did in toy stores in the 1980s. Underneath them are fantastical lines like Warrior Beasts and Realm of the Underworld, all sealed on card backs and in their original boxes. Many of the lines are recognizable by their color tones and the designs on the packaging, like the purples found on Kenner's original Ghostbusters items that span the equivalent of an entire shelf. Across the room are pieces from RoboForce, Rambo, Dungeons & Dragons, WWF Wrestling, G.I. Joe, and E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Brave Star boxed items, Indiana Jones posters, and Star Wars ephemera like toothbrushes are on some of the highest levels of his display, literally brushing the ceiling. Andy is someone I've seen at toy shows before, but I finally had the pleasure to meet him at his show this past weekend. He runs the Toys for the Ages Expo in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, held at the Carlisle Expo Hall. I love the fact that vintage toys are so important to Andy, and that he is a collector like us. And at the same time, he made sure to cover all eras of toys to make sure there was something for everyone. And a lot of times, that comes down to knowing vendors who are just as passionate as he is, and who have the stuff people are hunting. And for me, this show came at just the right time. The past few weeks have been really busy, and at some point I realized that I haven't been able to travel and to see friends as much as I've wanted. And as an alumnus of Gettysburg College, I was familiar with Carlisle, and was excited to return to that area for a weekend. I realized that it had been almost two years since I had done an overnight in another state for a toy show, which was due to the pandemic that shut down most of the country last year and for the first half of this year. And with my dear friend Pete LaRose also traveling out to the show, it was a great time for us to meet up and to spend time together with our friends. So if you have some time, you can jump in the passenger seat of my SUV and join me in a trip out to Carlisle, Pennsylvania for the Toys for the Ages Expo. 
The plan for this trip is as follows. We'll head out to Carlisle Friday morning, help Pete in setting up his booth, and then stick around at the show for a few hours. Then we'll go out to dinner with some friends and head back to the hotel. We'll get up early Saturday morning and drive over to the show, and we'll be there until the show's close at 3 p.m. And then you can join me on the ride home. There's a bottle of water for you on the passenger side door, and I'd recommend dressing comfortably and hydrating today. It's going to be a scorcher. The temperature is supposed to hit 100 degrees this afternoon, and then tomorrow it's supposed to rain and drop down into the 70s. But as we've seen with this summer, conditions can change rapidly. All right, we're off on another adventure to another toy show. Today I'm heading out to Carlisle, Pennsylvania for a toy show. I believe it's called Toys for the Ages Expo. And it's a one-day show on Saturday. And so we're heading out today. I'm meeting my friend Pete, Pete LaRose, uh, who is a, a toy dealer, uh, toys and tunes. And he and I are going to, I'm going to help him set up at the show. And then he and I are going to shop it, head out to eat for a little while. Uh, for a nice dinner together Haven't seen one another in a little while And uh, it's always good to have collectors get together We might meet up with a, a few other collectors as well During our time here And then uh, tomorrow We're going to head over bright and early to the show Finish setting up any, any last items On his table I believe he has two tables uh, Before the show officially opens Shop some of the morning uh, vendors, you know, just to see if, if they have anything new or if they brought anything. And then, um, and then from there, I'm just going to be at the show for a while and head home. So that's my plan. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, again, I've never been there, so I don't know how the show actually is. And it's not necessarily the particular show that I'm excited about. Although to me, it's very exciting because I've never been to this one. So I, I don't know what to expect. Um, I went to school around this area, around the Carlisle area, uh, for college. So it, it's nice to be back this way. I really like the ride, uh, heading back to a show like this, but I've heard great things about the show. Uh, I've been really excited to head back to a toy show. I like probably many of us have, um, this one looks really nice too. There have been a few vendors in our different Facebook groups and on the, uh, the, the, Carlisle Toy Show page as well um, who have mentioned what they're bringing, they've shown pictures of some of the stuff that they're bringing uh, there was one person in particular who had a bunch of uh, Star Wars Return of the Jedi carded figures uh, including I think three or four Luke Jedis, which for me <laughs> that's reason enough to go to a show, so I'm terribly looking forward to just spending a weekend out I've also realized that with COVID with the quarantine over the past year 
I've been very content to be at home, but there are times where it's, I've just, I felt like I've needed to get out for a weekend and to go beyond the typical, you know, stores, church, restaurants that are around us, uh, or activities that are around us as well too, because I'm near the shore and just to be out for an entire weekend in a place that I haven't been and around friends that I've just, I've missed seeing, you know, and just, uh, being together it really makes a difference. Uh, it, it's, I say this a lot, but it really is soul rejuvenating. I come away from these toy shows and meetups feeling alive again. Uh, you know, and it's, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, picking up stuff, but just being with friends and being back into a, a normal rhythm. Uh, cause for a lot of us as collectors, toy shows and meetups are a part of our lives and they're, to me, they're a really healthy and great part, right? It, uh, a, sh- a toy show kind of feeds into that, into that hunt that we all love. And then at the same time, just having the chance to be together with people and to be in the same environment that we all, we all get, we all understand it, we all love it. I think that makes a huge difference. So I'm looking forward to that. There's nothing in particular that I'm looking for right now. Um, course, as always, and I've mentioned this before, uh, I collect vintage carded figures, and I really collect any vintage Star Wars carded figures. Uh, It doesn't matter um, what part of the line, whether it's Star Wars, Empire, Return of the Jedi, Power of the Force, Droids, or Ewoks. And so I always look for really nice examples, clean, uh, preferably unpunched, no stickers, I like to have all my stuff graded, so I try to get high-grade pieces, um, and I just, I add to all of these little runs that I have, so that's, that's one of my goals, you know, if I come across something like that, uh, especially a Luke Jedi, again, my favorite figure, I'll never turn down a Blue Saber Luke, and, uh, and I love the green ones as well, too, my, my two dream pieces right now, the, the two that I have not been able to add to my collection yet, that I'd really like to get, would be a carded, molded face Luke Jedi. So the reason why it's called a molded face is there were the Luke Jedi figure was produced in really two different ways. It was produced as a painted face and a molded face. Uh, so the molded face would be molded in a flesh-colored plastic, uh, and then the hair would be painted brown onto the plastic. And so that the actual face wouldn't be painted other than maybe like the, the highlights, like the eyes, but the actual skin color would be that plastic that was, that was used, um, in making the figure. And then the other one is a painted figure or a painted head. And that one was, I believe the plastic is molded in the, the color of the hair. And so the only part that was actually painted on that figure would be the face. And it was painted either like a flesh tone. There are some that are a pale face, some that are more of like a a pinkish, rosy color. And so for me, I have a number of loose molded face blue Jedi figures, but I don't have a carded one. Sadly, there was one that came out. Uh, a friend of mine actually put it up on eBay and was selling it, and it was graded by CAS as a 90, uh, which is a really high grade. It was beautiful. I believe it it, it was unearthed uh, from a, the home of a former Kenner employee, and um, you know, just a, a beautiful piece. I probably never store, never saw a store shelf, um, 
was unpunched, had no stickers on it. It was just gorgeous. And uh, it sold for $375. And it was one of those where I had been away from the computer probably for a day or two. And then when I came on, I saw that it had sold and my heart was crushed. So I'm hoping to find one eventually. That would be really nice. Um, of course, with a, a Blue Saber loop, I'd never turn that down either. But my second, the second dream piece that I'd like to have which is one I've been looking for for a few years. They tend to be kind of expensive for a, a production figure, a carded production figure. Uh, and that's the 48A um, Empire Strikes Back Luke Hoth figure. And so it has an offerless front. It's the only 48 back that has an offerless front on it. Um, really nice design. And then the back is the, you know, the, the 48 back where it's, it's that yellow and blue design. Um, I just, I love that figure. I'd love to get one with a clear bubble. I have a, I have a Luke Jedi run and a Luke Hoth run. And to me, the molded face Luke and the 48 back uh, Luke Hoth would be my, my two favorites and, and really two of the, the pinnacle pieces of my runs. So that's what I'm hoping to find one day. Now a little bit about the show. Uh, I know virtually nothing about it. Uh, again, I've seen pictures, uh, as, as I might have stated earlier. Pete LaRose, a good friend of mine uh, who's a dealer and a, and a collector, uh, he set up at the show last year, really liked it, had great things to say about it, and he's doing it again this year, and I just I was curious to see what it would be like. So again, I don't know too much about the show, um, but it's nice to know that you know when you see a grouping of about 50 or 60 vendors and the fact that the tables for the show have been sold out and that there's been a lot of hype for the show, which is great. Uh, the, the promoters have advertised it really well on Facebook and on social media. And the fact that there are people, you know, a lot of times you go to a show and you don't know what to expect. You don't know what's going to show up, what's going to be there. And this is one of the first times in a long time where I've seen vendors sharing photos of their of their pieces that they're bringing of what their tables are going to look like of what their their cases are going to be stocked with and a lot of it is vintage you know um i was thinking about this earlier i went to a toy show last week that was it was a, a smaller toy show and i had it confused with this one so i was expecting 50 or 60 vendors and it was more like maybe 10 to 12, maybe a little more, maybe, maybe 15 or 20. But, um, so my friend and I went and we got there and we bought the, you know, early bird admission, which allows you usually to shop an hour or two early or before the, the, uh, the doors open to the general admission. And when we got there, there were very few people who were, who were fully set up already. Uh, there were people who hadn't even vendors who hadn't even shown up yet. And it was a little disheartening, you know, because you pay the money and you want to get in early and, and see what's what's available. Um, in, a, in a way, though, it's also a little helpful because um, because the people haven't been in there. A lot of times, once you start to see them set up, you're often the first person to get to the, the products that they have. So uh, that can actually be a really big win uh, at times, especially if you get somebody who has, for us Star Wars collectors, a lot of really nice vintage carded or loose Star Wars figures. But there was very little, if any, vintage Star Wars figures there. And there was very little, if any, modern Star Wars stuff there. There was a vendor who came in later on who had a number of, I would say, 
modern stuff ranging from 1995's Power of the Force 2 up to about 2005, 2006. And really where I collect, my, my focus for modern is in that 2008 range beginning with the Clone Wars all the way up to the present. So, but I was shocked to see, like, even as far as modern vintage collection stuff and Black Series stuff, you know, pieces coming from the, the last even decade, there wasn't a lot of it. And what I was seeing more and more, I was fooled a little bit because a lot of the tables had what I now call vintage modern. And it's modern pieces that are sold at Walmart and Target that are essentially reissues or, um, you know, kind of that, that nostalgia collection. So you have that with with Star Wars now, you know, with their, their retro line, um, but more, more so with Transformers, uh, Ghostbusters, and He-Man, where, and I guess even G.I. Joe, but where they're so close that they, they really fool you. They're a little deceptive because you, you see a table with all of these box and card designs that you remember from childhood, but they're all items that were produced in either 2020, 2021. And so we're seeing a lot of that. And for a lot of people, especially, you know, these vendors and a lot more amateur vendors who don't have a ton of product, it's maybe been easier to, to you know, wait at the opening of a, a Walmart or a Target and, you know, in, in the morning and run and grab a, a bunch of this stuff um, and then try to flip it on eBay or, or whatever they do. So we saw a lot of that. Um, I think there are a lot of vendors now, and with COVID, and you know, maybe selling through COVID or not being able to go to people's homes or, or to these uh, flea markets and events that maybe were, had to be closed because of the, the pandemic, people are, are struggling to find product. Um, so there was just, there wasn't a lot at this show at this last show that I went to last weekend. And what's nice about the Carlisle show is seeing these photos of stuff that's going to be there uh, made me really happy because at least I had a general idea of what was likely going to appear at these shows. Now, of course, in that time, in in the week or so uh, since people started posting this stuff, this stuff could have been sold on the Facebook groups or privately, you know, to, to friends. But there seems to be a lot. And what I was missing at this last show, and, and not to knock the show, the show was, was actually a lot of fun. Uh, there just wasn't a lot of stuff. And there were comic books and, you know, more wrestling figures, stuff that I don't really collect. But the vendors that are bringing stuff here, a lot of them are getting multiple tables. And they're bringing those nice bins where you can really go digging into something and, and hopefully find some gems. And that's, I think that's what I've been missing for a while is jumping in, diving into somebody's table and really digging in and finding, even if it's an accessory or, or something at the bottom of a bin or, um, you know, pulling out, having somebody pull out a box that they haven't put on their table yet and being able to really go through that, uh, and, and hopefully uncover something. So I was able to do a lot of that at the Pennsylvania Zolocon show that I attended which I had mentioned in uh, the episode I did with Narayan. And I just, I've been kind of fiending for, you know, another hunt like that. So I'm hoping that's what this is. 
So I am about 15 minutes away from my destination to where the weekend officially starts, and I'm really excited. I haven't been this excited in, in, a, in a while, um, heading out to a show like this, and I, I think some of the, the last few shows, and, and people don't really talk about this, and it's it, it's maybe a little awkward to talk about something like this, but for me, some of the last few things that I attended, you know, again, because we've been home for so long, some of the last few places that I've attended, last few meetups and, and toy shows, I carried an anxiety with me. And I, I was not expecting it, you know, and it, it kind of came out in, in strange ways um, during each trip. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't feel that same anxiety. And I, I think I had just gotten to a point where I hadn't stayed at a hotel or I hadn't been in, you know, a restaurant with a, a larger group of people. It was things like that that... I had missed, but at the same time, just because I had been home for so long, like like all of us, uh, was a little more nerve-wracking at, at points. And then there were points where I completely forgot that we ever had uh, quarantine and you know the pandemic, and and um, and that was wonderful. You know, feeling feeling normal again like that. So all I can say is that I'm really excited to be able to be doing this again. You know, with everything going on in the world, we don't know when things will things might close up again or what will happen. So I'm taking full advantage of the time that I have to be able to do this stuff. And so I hope to uh, to bring in a good report about what the the show is like, and um, and I hope to to find some stuff and to to spend time with. I hope to spend time with some familiar faces and maybe you know to meet new friends that um, that I I've, I haven't known previously. So we shall see. Uh, anyway, I expect to report some more in the future. So we'll talk soon. I arrived in Carlisle about an hour earlier than Pete, and two hours before the show opened for setup. I looked for a restaurant because I hadn't had lunch yet, and wanted to make sure I ate before heading into the venue. Often at a show, we become so involved with setting up and then conversing with friends and hunting for toys that we tend to lose track of time, and having lunch before setup ensured that I wouldn't be hungry until dinner time. At the entrance to the fairground, which housed the Expo Center, was a small diner. The fairground diner was a one-story building with a light brick facade and beige side walls, topped with a maroon awning. Small vinyl signs with the diner's name hung from each side of the building, and the largest sign seemed to be positioned facing the most trafficked road leading to it. I am at the fairground diner, which seems to be right across the street from the Expo Center. 
and it's a little spot before I meet up with Pete. I want to just grab a quick lunch uh, because we're probably not going to eat until dinner. It's a nice little spot, uh, gray walls with with white trim at the tops and bottoms, uh, a brick front bar style with uh, you know of a diner with um, with uh, rotating round seats, um, fans. Thank God, fans are blowing uh, on the ceiling uh, because it is uh, over 100 degrees right now. Uh, it looks like the Fairground Diner was established in 2007, and um, there there are a lot of people here. But at the same time, it's kind of quiet. Uh, it's an off time. It's about 2:30, so um, there aren't too many people here, which is nice. And it's just a spot that I have about a half hour just to relax, to grab some sustenance, and then uh, head over to the show. Yes. Okay. Uh, can, I, can I get the hamburger, please? Okay. Layer hamburger? Okay. Uh, yes, please. And then, uh, does How would that, you like it? Uh, can I have it medium, please? Hamburger medium. Yes. yes. And then, um, and that comes with fries. Yes, I'll have that. Okay. Thank you so much. Really medium, right? Yes, please. Okay. Thank you. Oh, gotcha. As I ate, I noticed that the skies over the fairground were beginning to darken as muddy gray clouds swept in and hovered, waiting to break. The wind began to pick up and threw the tips of the surrounding trees back and forth in wave-like patterns. The sound like a truck falling on its side broke out, and one of the patrons commented to her friend that the thunder meant that the storm was going to come in heavily. I looked up the latest forecast on my phone. The weather was supposed to be sunny and hot for the remainder of the day and wouldn't cool down until the approaching storm came in on Saturday. But that initial report suddenly changed to reflect the storm that was touching down at that moment. After I finished my lunch, I walked to the register to pay the bill. As I was standing at the counter, the music that was playing on the overhead speakers suddenly shifted to an emergency weather report. For those setting up at the show, the storm couldn't be approaching at a worse time. The thought of having to unload a truck's inventory and transport cardboard boxes filled with toys, as well as items that were too large to put into containers, all while completely vulnerable to the wild and windy swings of nature during a storm, was going to be very difficult. Rain pattered against the cars in the diner's parking lot with a steady fall, and I started to prepare mentally for a much later setup. However, by the time I paid the bill, got in touch with Pete, and left the restaurant, the storm had largely disappeared, except for the wind. But what I had initially feared turned out to be a blessing. The main effect from the storm was that it had cooled down the entire area by about 20 degrees, making unloading and hauling all of the boxes of toys into the venue an easier and enjoyable experience. The Carlisle Expo Center is set back in a corner of the fairgrounds. I found the easiest way to get to it was to drive past Dickinson College and then through the neighborhood of apartments and townhouses that generally accompany a college town.
At the end of the road was a nook that led me to the expo center. The building looked like a library that doubled as a storage center. I know that's a strange description, but I mean that in the most positive way. The entrance was a two-story, white, hut-shaped rectangle with a steel-blue triangular dome. Above the front doors, a maroon awning protruded from the center of the building and covered three-quarters of the wide concrete walkway leading up to it. To the left of the white building was the showroom, a one-story rectangle extending the width of the entire property out to the side parking lot. This rectangular segment of the expo center was outlined in a steel-blue trim, and the entire front wall consisted of floor-to-ceiling white-paned windows. As I pulled in and got out of my car, I could see rows of tables in the showroom, with blurs of people moving quickly past them. Around me, vendors were unloading items from the backs of trucks and U-Haul vans, and piled everything onto dollies and carts. Pete arrived a few minutes later, and he and I got to work bringing the first cart of toys into the center. A woman at the front table took Pete's name and handed each of us a lanyard with a Toys for the Ages Expo badge hanging from it. We set the first cart on one of the two tables bearing his name, which were located in the center aisle to the right. I took a quick lap around the show floor to see if any interesting pieces had shown up yet. At this point, Andy approached me and introduced himself. He was dressed in a purple shirt that bore the Toys for the Ages logo, and he wore a backwards cap with a white S above his forehead. While Pete and I brought in his wares, Andy walked through the aisles and live-streamed a taste of the setup for fans of his page. Yo, yo, what is going on, everybody? What? This is Andy Cook coming to you live, live from Toys for the Ages Expo. That's right, Toys for the Ages Expo is happening tomorrow, tomorrow, August 14th, right here at the Carlisle Expo Center, uh, 100K Street, Carlisle, Pennsylvania, 17013. You guys got to see this stuff. We got killer stuff already. A little preview of what's going on. You can see how big the venue is. It's 32,000 square feet. Um, like I said, vintage, vintage toys and comics. Uh, we got boxes of comics here. We got boxes of comics. We got some He-Man stuff there. Got a bunch of uh, Carter Turtles. There's a G.I. Joe whale there, a Boba Fett in a box. I mean, this is the stuff to expect when you guys want to come out and see. We got Master Universe in there. We got Turtles, Micronauts, created Star Wars. We got Stompers in there, Care Bears, G.I. Joe. Uh, I mean, there's just all kinds of vintage stuff here. Turn Your Dreams is setting up. They got all kinds of stuff here. Uh, big, big, big booth. Um, not gonna find a bigger booth here. So we got that stuff. We got turtle set down there. It's pretty killer. Uh, got some um, Power Ranger stuff. And look at this stuff. This is the BOD. Um, they got killer stuff here. GI Joe. And look at this knockoff stuff. Sorry. Good stuff here. Like I said, you guys come on check it out. More Micronauts. All right, so that's it. So if you got, I'll go live again tomorrow morning. But if you get a chance, make sure you stop out here at the Carl Oxford Center tomorrow, 9 a.m. to 2, 3 p.m. Don't miss it. See you later. Once we had everything at Pete's table, he started to eye each box, arranging the items as he saw fit. 
Whenever I help my friends at a show, I find it's best to give them some space to set up each table. They generally have a vision of how they want their items displayed. And for a vending veteran like Pete, he has a lot of it down to a science. In the past, I've likened it to a jazz musician, knowing the overall structure, but improvising and working off of what's around him. So while Pete composed and played and entered into a rhythm that was both familiar to him and fresh, I toured the venue in search of Star Wars toys. I stopped back at Pete's booth to see how he was doing. He was still in the middle of setting up, but his tables were coming together nicely. I helped him reposition a few boxes and set up a long 1996 Power of the Force 2 display below his table. As we were arranging it, someone came up to his table with a question. I motioned to him that I would return and headed toward the back of the room. Along the back wall was a concession stand, what appeared to be an office, and the restrooms. The restrooms were the cleanest ones I've ever seen at a toy show. This may seem like a silly thing to point out, but it made me think about the venue and how well kept it was, from the parking lot to the show floor to things like the ticket booths in the part of the building with the higher ceilings, and to the more overlooked things like bathrooms and concession stands. You could tell that the Expo Center was a source of pride in Carlisle, to the owners as well as to the people who worked there. And it's something that is rarely discussed or mentioned, but it adds so much to the overall experience when visiting a new place. Walking toward the front of the room, I met Dennis Ciccolero, and he and I toured the vendor booths that were still being constructed. Dennis lives in the same area as me and we became friends after running into each other at toy show after toy show. It's fun to watch a friend navigate a toy show. Where I tend to target Star Wars items almost exclusively, Dennis has a vast knowledge of toy lines spanning decades, and he has a deep appreciation for things like comic books. And seeing what catches his eye and hearing him talk about the history of a certain line or piece helps me to learn about the toys and collectibles as well. I love hunting at a toy show, but there's nothing like doing so with friends. Dennis returned to the tables he shared with our friend Ryan Bauer, and I headed back to Pete's booth. Pete's setup was pristine, and he had really found the right place for everything on and around his tables. He grabbed his backpack and joined me for a walk around the building. During setup, it's good to take breaks and to routinely walk the show floor. Vendors arrived at different points during that afternoon and evening, and the ones that had been there for a while were still setting up and were pulling new items out of sealed totes. And there's magic in shopping a toy show and stumbling upon an item as it's being displayed for the first time that day. Often, it creates a memorable moment from the show, one that a buyer logs in the collecting history book as an amazing find. Together, Pete and I dug through bins and boxes that lined the floors. We stood and scanned a new cart of offerings as it arrived, looking at the inventory stacked from base to lid of a clear plastic container. At times, he'd wander ahead while I remained at the table, and would motion to me if he saw something he thought would interest me. And if I saw something first, I would do the same. At one point, he waved me over and pointed to a shallow box containing a pile of Star Wars figures, and all in separate baggies. 
We made mental notes of the vendors whose carts looked promising, but were not finished setting up, and we returned a few times to see what was available. Like Dennis, Pete has an immense knowledge of many toy lines, and he has an understanding of what to look for at a show. We circled the show a few times before winding up at his table again. At that point, I was happy to see Andy pick up a piece that brought him absolute joy. It was a very rare Thundercats display from the 1980s, and it was so large that it was awkward for him to carry it. He proudly showed it off to a couple of friends, and we all congratulated him. It's nice to celebrate the successful pickups of a fellow collector, especially when they reach that level of rarity. Andy headed over to a microphone and announced that the doors to the venue would be closing soon, as setup was ending for the night. I made one more trip around the venue, saying hi to the vendors I had met for the first time that day, and looked to see if anything else showed up since my last walk. Okay, so it's about five to seven. We have completely set up Pete's booth. We've walked around numerous times. We met up with uh, two of our friends, Ryan Bauer and Dennis Chicolero. Uh, Mark Ryan from CAS is here as well, too. So we got to see him. Um, quite a bit of booths. It's, it's really nice. It's really come together. Uh, I, I thought it would kind of stick around maybe 35, 40, 40% full. But it's really, you know, I would say that it's really closer to about 70% done. Um, it's, it's just, it's been an excellent show so far. It's been very, very calm and peaceful. Uh, a lot of space to walk around. Um, everyone seems to be enjoying themselves so far. I picked up a few modern pieces and a few vintage pieces. No prototypes. <laughs> Wasn't expecting to find anything here, but I said that at ToyCon and I, I found four prototypes there, so you never know, truly never know. But um, there's some great pieces. I'm gonna do a quick rundown of some stuff just to give you an idea of, of what's here. So turning the corner, there's a large corner booth and it has, it's filled with pops and a lot of what we've been calling here uh, modern vintage uh, or vintage modern, which is stuff that is made to look like the original vintage stuff. You know, He-Man, Thundercats, um, a lot of, definitely a lot of He-Man stuff. Um, but stuff that was produced and is probably in your Walmart and your Target now. Uh, plush animals. There are original Adidas Star Wars-themed sneakers. Um, pops, pops, and more pops. Okay. Now we'll start going over towards some of the booth, the actual booths here. People are starting to throw blankets and coverings over most of the stuff, but um, let's see if I could pull some, some interesting stuff. There was a card at a man a man for $450, a little high, actually a lot high. The condition's not great. Um, we have some long boxes with comics, all priced. Uh, some loose Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figures from the original release. Uh, with their with their card backs, a a 12 inch Boba Fett action figure, the original, uh, in the box. The box is pretty damaged, but it looks nice still. Uh, 
There's about seven or eight cases here, and you have everything from Care Bears to RoboCop. You have some sealed Care Bear stuff. You have some G.I. Joe. A lot of 90s pieces as well, too. So you get uh, the Toxic Avenger. Um, there's some 80s Thundercats. He-Man. More G.I. Joe. One whole case full of G.I. Joe. Uh, another case filled with loose Star Wars action figures. The prices are pretty pretty decent, pretty consistent, actually, with, um, with the ones that are available on places like Facebook and eBay. Uh, then at the table here, we have uh, some strawberry shortcake figures in the box. My Little Ponies. That's great. One of my favorite booths had a ton of stuff, and it had uh, one bin that I was explaining earlier where it has all of the, uh, the parts to the different uh, vintage Star Wars Kenner vehicles, um, which was great. I was able to pick up a few. There's an entire small case filled with the California Raisins uh, plush and plastic figures, along with some really cool... Like, there's a, a Cheetos brand uh, promo playing cards, um, vintage SpaghettiOs keychain. You know, again, not all Star Wars stuff, but really interesting. And then we come upon Care Bears glasses, glasses from 1976 and 1977, Burger King, King Kong, um, the Chipmunks, really cool glasses. Pete, Dennis, Ryan, and I had made reservations for dinner at a local hotspot called the North Hanover Grill. I figured we had received the recommendation from Andy or from one of the local vendors, as I overheard many of the vendors talking about the restaurant on the way out. It was a pleasant surprise to see most of the people with whom I had spent the afternoon travel together to the same place for dinner. We headed into town that was crackling with energy. Couples were strolling the sidewalks as families held hands to cross the streets in front of us. Music slipped out through the constantly opening doors of some of the restaurants around us, and as I was looking for a parking spot, I tried to take in as many of the sights as I could. I truly felt like I was on vacation, completely disconnected from the rhythms of life at home. The sun was still out at 7.30, but you could tell it was fading, and soon would disappear but we still had the night in front of us. When I arrived, Ryan waved me over to the table. Pete and Dennis split a plate of Parmesan and garlic wings, and Ryan ordered a similar plate. The North Hanover Grill is known for its wings, and a local friend of mine, Steve Renzi, later mentioned that they were the best wings in this area. We stayed at the restaurant for more than two hours, Andy had made reservations for a large table next to us, and as vendors arrived, the servers added more chairs to accommodate everyone. After the table was filled, some of the vendors sat together at the bar. Still others who made reservations for smaller groups had their own tables. But all around us were members of the team that would make Saturday a special and memorable show. I ordered a patty melt, an Angus burger with Swiss cheese on rye bread. The food was delicious, our waitress was very cute, and the conversation amongst the four of us was really enjoyable. 
There's nothing like traveling out to another state for a toy show and ending the night laughing and sharing stories with collector friends. And this happened organically, but our entire group left around the same time. We paid our bills, said goodnight to one another, and headed back to our respective hotels to get a good night's sleep for the long day ahead. I woke up at 10 to 5 on Saturday morning and stayed in bed for another half hour before getting up to shower. I didn't go back to sleep during that time, but laying there, I thought about the previous day, how peaceful and relaxing it was, and how happy I felt. It was nice to get back into the world again, to travel to a new location and to meet new people. It's one of the things the pandemic took from us for a long time. And to be able to do these types of toy trips again was a true blessing. Leaving the hotel, Pete and I grabbed a few pastries from the hotel lobby, loaded our bags into our cars, and headed back to the Carlisle Expo Center. Okay, it is 6.31 on Saturday morning. It is early. (laughs) The sun is out, though. It is beautiful. And I am... Joyfully heading, oh my gosh, probably went the wrong way. I'm joyfully heading to another toy show, back to Carlisle for the Toys for the Ages Expo, uh, done by my new friend Andy Cook, who's a really nice guy. We are heading now toward the venue, and... I think as of yesterday, we it was probably about 70% filled by the vendors, and I have a feeling that by about 7 o'clock this morning and in a half hour, it'll be 100%. Really looking forward to seeing what else turns up. Um, I, think, I think people were really surprised at the amount of room that they had uh, per table. It was quite a bit of space. <clears throat> Andy did a really nice job in allocating enough room for each vendor. So so I have a feeling that people might have, if they're local, might have gone home and gotten more stuff uh, to fill up their tables and their, their space in their area. So that would be really nice. Okay, she's a little chatty today. <laughs> I'm really excited. I don't know if I've been this excited to go to a show for a while. And it's it's not, you know, it really isn't anything other than just having the ability to go to a show and to be with people. I am fully aware of how special it is that we get to do this stuff, that we can travel, that we can all be together. Um, you know, and right now, as long as everyone's uh, doing it safely, um, it looks good. So... So we shall see. 
anyway, it looks like I'm here already, so that was a pretty quick drive. Um, didn't have the greatest night's sleep. Turn left at the traffic line. But that's okay, because I feel more than awake right now, which is cool, and we'll see how long that lasts for. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it's a lot longer than expected. I have to say, this it's a really nice area, really quaint area. It's an, It reminds me of a college town uh, or, you know, one of those kind of small, quaint towns in Philly, um, which is not too far from me. But um, I, like, I like coming to a new place. I haven't been to a new place in a while. Okay, now we're approaching Dickinson. It's a really, really pretty area. God, gorgeous school. Again, the sun is out right now. Beautiful blue skies. It's just... Just a gorgeous, quiet day. This was something I was thinking about for a long time because I, I miss wait, I miss going to a show where you know you sleep over at a hotel, stay with friends, and then you wake up really early in the morning. And there's just that feeling. There, there. It's so strange, but there are there's a certain feeling in the air. There's a, a quiet that maybe you don't normally get depending on where you live. Um, there are certain smells in the morning too that are just wonderful. Just you know, stepping outside and I just I love it. Um, so it's nice to have that again. As a recommendation, if you have any toy shows near you, I would suggest going to as many as you possibly can. You really meet some great people, and it's just it's so nice to be able to you know to do that. Um, just pulling into the venue now. It's pretty crowded already. People are carrying stuff in. They're bringing in tables and they're bringing in all these oddities. It's just so nice to see. Um, so I will be reporting more and more from the show. Oh, we have some Star Wars stuff coming in. Very cool. Okay. Morning's off to a good start already. We arrived to see a similar sight to the previous afternoon. Vendors were pulling up and were carting new items into the show. We passed Andy, who was wearing a white hat this time, and was live-streaming to advertise for the event. What is up, people? What is going on? We're live. We're live from Toys for the Ages Expo. That's right, Toys for the Ages Expo. We are live. I'm gonna flip the camera out here and show you guys. Uh, we're gonna start the video here, um, and that's early bird from 9 to 10 a.m. And then 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. is the show, so make sure you come check that out. Um, killer, killer stuff we got here. As you can see, all the vendors are now in the building, ready set up, so we have good, good stuff. Today, 9 a.m., the door's open. There's already a line out front, so we will see you here. As always, I'm Andy Cook, and yo-yo, peace out. The early bird admission didn't start until 9 a.m., so we walked the entire floor a number of times. It was nice to have time to tour the show before it opened to the public. The early morning sun flooded the glass wall of the front of the building, adding a beautiful haze that seemed to shift its intensity as the sun moved across the sky. As we drew closer to the show's official opening, there was one vendor I was still waiting to see. 
In the week leading up to the event, a local collector and dealer named Spencer Myers had posted photos on social media, highlighting some vintage carded and loose Kenner Star Wars figures he planned to bring to the show. As I mentioned earlier while driving to Carlisle, the pieces that caught my attention were the multiple carded Luke Jedi figures from Return of the Jedi. I had no idea if Spencer still had these pieces, or if he was bringing them to sell. Actually, I wasn't sure Spencer would even be attending the show, as the table with his name on it sat empty during setup on Friday and for the morning up to that point. And if he brought them, would they even be within a reasonable price range? I had been enjoying myself too much to worry about missing the Lukes, but I made sure to keep checking his table in case he showed up. And about an hour or so before the show started, he appeared. Slightly disheveled from bringing in the first card of bins, Spencer stood up and wiped his forehead as the rest of his family followed him, carrying more bins and items. I introduced myself to him, mentioned I came across his Star Wars figure post on Facebook, and asked if he had brought any carded figures with him to the show. I knew he had just arrived and did not expect him to hunt for any at the moment, but I just wanted to know if he would have a Luke Jedi carded figure for sale. He smiled, looked around at the containers strewn about on the floor, and said he did. In fact, he brought all of them, and he had a lot of loose figures with him as well. Spencer towered over me. Dressed in a long navy t-shirt and a loose pair of jeans, he kicked one of the bins by his foot and started to open it. As soon as he pulled the lid off, I saw exactly what I had been looking for. A small stack of carded Return of the Jedi figures, each one protected in its own star case. He pulled the bin out from under the table and lifted it onto an adjacent one, and told me I was free to go through it. Spencer's warmth and kindness was evident, even after only speaking with him for a minute or two. The Jedi Luke cards were all unpunched and were without any price stickers. He had written a price for each figure on a post-it note, which clung to the front of each star case. The prices were certainly reasonable and were ones I was happy to pay, especially for figures in this condition. As I looked at the various carded figures, he casually mentioned he had some loose figures for me to look at as well. Spencer pulled out a flat acrylic container that had each figure in its own little protective plastic container, with rows of miniature Star Wars characters stacked two to a slot. I marveled at seeing a Power of the Force Luke Stormtrooper next to an EV-99, which was not far from an Imperial gunner. The figures were virtually pristine, and each one came with its authentic accessories. You've brought more vintage Star Wars figures than I can remember seeing at one seller's booth in a long time, I told him. This is only a fraction of it, he said. I have more coming in. And he was right. In one large container sat plastic tray after plastic tray filled with some of the cleanest action figures. Again, all of them complete. He pulled out a medium-sized acrylic case that one would use to store jewelry or crafts, and it was filled with loose accessories. A compartment held all different versions of Yoda robes. A smaller one had two Lando General capes crammed into it. And when I pulled out the capes, a dark green droid's R2-D2 pop-up lightsaber fell onto the table in front of me. Hoth rifles, palace blasters, yellow Bespin lightsabers... These are just some of the weapons and accessories that Spencer brought to sell. As I looked through his inventory, 
He and I had a great conversation. I got to know him a little better, and he told me about some of his recent finds. I decided not to pick up any loose figures, but settled on the three nicest carded Luke Jedi figures he had. And I was relieved to know that the prices on each of the star cases were the current prices. And after we tallied up the total, I paid him and joyfully shook his hand. The show was a rousing success. Andy set a record for attendance at this one, and I think the next Toys for the Ages Expo is already in the works. The weekend in Carlisle was one of the best trips in recent memory, and I'm so happy I went to this show. Coming home with those three Luke Jedi figures certainly made the trip for me when it comes to purchases. Actually, make that four Luke Jedi carded figures. At the end of the show, Spencer made me an offer on the fourth one that I couldn't turn down. I will always consider that haul one of my amazing finds from a toy show, because the Jedi Luke figure means so much to me. And while we're on the subject of amazing finds, stay tuned for part two of the Toys for the Ages Expo series. In the next episode, I'll go into more detail about Saturday's show in Carlisle. I'll also share conversations with a number of the shoppers, collectors, and vendors with whom I spoke during my time there. And I had asked each one of them to share a collecting story or two about an amazing find they had for a new series on the podcast, titled Amazing Finds. There are some incredible stories on that one, truly. I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm happy to be able to share these amazing finds with you, and I look forward to doing more episodes like the upcoming one in the future. So join me next time for part two of the wonderful and memorable Toy Show Weekend in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Prototypes and Production. I have never created an episode this quickly after returning home from a toy trip. But I was just too excited about this one and the next one, and had to get the first part to you. If you are listening to this and you were there for the event, I hope it was as fun and as meaningful for you as it was for me. And if you're listening and you didn't make it out to Carlisle this past weekend, what's wrong with you? Actually, we really missed you this weekend. The good news is that Andy is likely preparing next year's event already, after he gets a well-deserved rest. And if you've liked what you've heard so far, consider joining us for this next one. I can recommend a few places to eat while you're in town. There are a lot of toy shows happening all over the country in the coming weeks and months. If possible, I'd recommend attending at least one. There's the Columbus, Ohio Toy Show at the end of August, Pennsylvania's RetroCon in September, and the legendary Kane County and Cincinnati Toy Shows in October. And those are just some of the offerings in which you'll meet like-minded collectors and have the opportunity to add some incredible toys and Star Wars memorabilia to your collection. And if you ever see me at a show, or if you hear a familiar voice that you recognize from your favorite podcast, please introduce yourself and come say hello. One of the blessings of doing a podcast like this is being able to connect with other Star Wars fans and collectors, and there's nothing like doing so in person. If you enjoy these episodes and stories, please subscribe or follow the show on your preferred podcast platform. It's free to do so, and this way you'll know as soon as the next episode drops. 
And if you like the podcast, please share it with a friend. And please leave a review. Leaving a review of this podcast would help me immensely. These reviews not only help to give listeners an idea of what the podcast is like, but it also serves as a good indicator as to whether it would be worth their time as well. And on top of that, it also helps algorithm-based platforms to recommend prototypes and production to people interested in finding new audio shows. And as I mentioned last time, I have a new goal. I'd like to get to 500 reviews on Apple Podcasts. 500. It's a huge number. And only you can make this happen. Each review truly matters in spreading the word about the podcast. And finally, a thank you to Andy, Pete, Mark, Dennis, Ryan, Christian, Spencer, Lucas, Kevin, Heath, Bob, Mick, Steve, and everyone else who made this toy trip weekend so special. I hope this episode and the next one serve as a memory-packed audio scrapbook of the Toys for the Ages Expo weekend. Thank you.